Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I'm ready to get into the Word of God. Are you guys ready? I hope you guys like to take notes, whether you like to be an OG and write notes or you like to do them on your phone. Let me just give you one stipulation if you, want, if you do it on your phone. When you leave here in about 45 minutes and say, someone says, how was church? I didn't get anything out of it. That's because you're on social media. Get off social media. The preacher was boring. You're boring, okay? Don't be telling me nothing like that. So if you're going to take notes, take notes. And if we're not connected on social media, give me about 45 minutes and you decide if you want to be connected with me or not. But I hope that we can be friends after this. So tell you what, will you take a moment of privacy and concentration and let's bow and go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, there's not a whole lot more than I can do because your word says where two or three are gathered there in your name. You're already there. Father, we thank you for the time of worship to prepare our hearts to receive this word. And Father, over these next few moments, Lord, I thank you that you think through my thoughts, that you speak through my lips, that I would say exactly what needs to be said for those in attendance and who will watch later. Holy Spirit, you do the change, and it's just my privilege to be the mouthpiece. In Jesus' name, amen. First verse, I want to put it up there. Before I even give you my title, we're going to be in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. Three verses I want to go over with you really quick. Mark chapter 1. If you're not super familiar with the Bible in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. Second book of the Bible. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It'll probably be up on the screen. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The title of my message tonight is the danger of isolation, the danger of isolation. If you want to take notes, if you're a screenshotter right there, make sure you get my good side. This one has less gray than this one does right here. Oftentimes when I'm traveling, it's always interesting when you live in this kind of role, people feel like they can come and tell you anything. And so I'm sitting somewhere at Starbucks or somewhere and be like, Steve, how you doing? I'm good. I don't know who you are. And they come up to me and say, hey, you know they sell stuff at Walgreens that you can just comb that in, right? I'm like, thank you, stranger. I appreciate that very, very much. The danger of isolation. How many of you know at times, if you've ever been a person of faith for any length of time, sometimes we can get to a checkbox mentality where we tell ourselves, I need to read one chapter a day so I can check the box and get on with my life. It happens. It happens to the best of us. I'm glad you're reading the word. But when you read the word to check a box, it becomes nothing more than a history book from your classroom. But when you read it as a life-changing, inspired word from God, sometimes you don't even have to read a whole chapter. One verse can rock your world. So I don't want you to get into this thing that starts to get religious by saying, if I don't read three in the old and two in the new, then God must not be happy with me. No, nothing is going to change God's mind about you 
in terms of how much or how little you read. But the reason why I've made this so short today is because how many of you have ever read this verse before this story and you're like, well, that's cute. Good for him. I have too. Until I started preparing for this and I slowed down, and let me encourage you, when you read the word, there's so much power in the word, but there's almost so much power in what's not written when you start looking at this in context. So if you would, put that first verse back up for me. Verse 40 says, now a leper came to him. Pause. Do you realize how loaded of a statement that is? That is huge. Let me tell you something about leprosy. In Leviticus 13, if you're looking for some quick encouragement, I would not encourage you to read Leviticus 13. <laughs> if you're like, oh my God, my boyfriend just broke up with me and I need a word from God, do not read Leviticus 13 because it looks like a manual from a dermatology clinic. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Because the entire chapter is dedicated to what leprosy was and how it was treated and how a priest had to treat someone with leprosy. But let me tell you something. And they're going to put this up on the screen. If you had leprosy, you must wear torn clothes. Your hair must be unkempt. This part's going to blow your mind. You must cover the lower half of your face. And you must cry out that you are unclean. I was laughing when I read this chapter. Be like, Steve, you got a twisted sense of humor. No, hear me out. I was laughing because how many times do people say the Bible's not relevant for today? When I was reading this, I was like, did someone write a 2021 version of Leviticus 13? This is in the Bible. If you had leprosy, you had to wear torn clothes, which now if you go to the store, that's all you can buy. And the boomers in the room are just thinking, well, why in the world would you spend $150 for torn jeans? I could do that for you myself. Your hair must be unkempt. If you ever look at hair these days, that's all that hair looks like. If you're actually blessed to still have some, no judgment. Cover the lower half of their face and cry out that they were unclean. And as long as they have this disease, number one, they must live alone. Number two, they must live outside the camp. Because what you had to understand, if you were clean, you kind of lived in a camp-style environment. But if you were a leper, you had to live outside the camp. And number three, you had to be 50 paces away so they would not defile someone who was clean. Let me show you something. And hopefully I don't mess up the sound too much. I want you to take a look at something. We're going to call this our starting point. Count with me if you would. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hopefully this doesn't feed back. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, Michael Jordan, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. 
33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Imagine that was a straight line. And this is how far someone with leprosy had to be away from someone who was clean. And finally, this part blew my mind, Derek. The fourth thing with leprosy, if you had leprosy, the third thing was you had to be 50 paces away. And the fourth thing is this. Church attendance was allowed, but you had to sit behind a special screen so no one would catch what they had. Tell me the Bible's still not relevant in 2021. They're allowed to be around people, but not too close. If they came to church, they had to sit behind a special screen so no one would catch what they had because it was super contagious. And simply put, leprosy looked like death in this time. It was any disease that ate away at your skin. It was on the outside. It, listen to this. It damaged the nerves so that lepers were unable to feel. And often because of this, they lost fingers or limbs to fires and sharp objects. Why? They grew numb. They were numb because of what ailed them on the outside. So if they were near a fire, Alex... It was almost like they were a twisted superhero. Put your hand on the flame. Do you feel that? No. Stab me in the hand. Do you feel that? No. That sounds like a twisted Marvel movie right there. I, I don't know that I would want to go see that one. It not only looked like death, but it often smelled like death and even sounded like death because another thing that leprosy would attack was the vocal cords, and it left them sounding raspy and rattling. Have I painted a picture of what this might look like for someone and what they were ailed with? And get this. Does that sound painful to you? Because that sounds painful to me. You ready for this? But the greatest pain of leprosy wasn't physical. It was emotional and mental. Why? Because of isolation. It's the pain of isolation. Now, after I've told you that, now we understand the significance when, said, when we said a man with leprosy came to see Jesus. Because at the beginning, we say, now a leper came to Jesus. Oh, okay. But now that you see it in context, that what this man did was huge. It was huge. And here's where we start diving in. The leper's issue primarily was on the outside. It was the skin condition. It was spots. It was nerve endings that were damaged. It was vocal cords. Kind of sounded like this all the time because their vocal cords were damaged. They couldn't feel pain. They were numb. Limbs were falling off. But here's where we dive into the message. A leper, you could physically see what they were dealing with. They had spots on the outside. But in the life of the believer, we deal with spots on the inside that no one else can see but you. And it's those secret spots on the inside 
that tend to keep us away from the community and healing that we need to get better. Because in the time that it was written, the isolation was forced on them. This was the law. You are not allowed to be around people. You will infect them with what you have. But see, leprosy is often talked so many times in the Bible because it references sin, because that leprosy isolated and kept people away from people. The secret spots tend to drive us away from God. Not because he moved, but because something on the inside of us says, I'm not worthy anymore. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been looking at on my phone. You don't know who I'm texting when my spouse goes to sleep. You don't know what I'm doing when no one is looking. See, certain addictions, they manifest in certain ways. And you can go get help. But what about the things that don't manifest so visibly that we don't want anyone to know about? And remember, a leper could come to church. But what did they have to do? I don't need anyone to catch what I have. I got to be behind a screen. And isn't it funny that 2,000 plus years later, we're still hiding behind screens when we come to church? It's called a social media profile. And oftentimes we hide behind that because we want people to believe that we're doing better than we actually are. Because I grew up in church. I did. And I'm proud to do it. And I'm proud that I grew up in church. But can I be honest with you? Me growing up in church didn't mean I was living a holy life. I heard the word all the time, Alex. But what we ought to know by now, it's not the word that you hear. It's the word that you received and you act upon. That means you can come here and hear something wonderful and go out and do something utterly ridiculous. And you want to know the most awesome thing about it? That very thing that you want to hide, this will blow you up and make you go crazy. That very thing that you're doing, Jesus is right there with you as you're doing it. What? He's with me while I'm doing that? Yep. Because he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Steve, even when I've messed up, especially when you've messed up, he goes absolutely nowhere. What we fight a lot in the church isn't leprosy anymore. It's shame. Shame. If you'll put that next slide up there for me, shame always creates a screen to keep you from being who you really are, from seeing and being seen. Shame says it's better to look all right than to actually be all right and value your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Shame says if people knew who you really were, they'd turn their face at you. So you better keep it locked up and keep putting on the facade that I'm okay. And can I tell you something? 
long before March 2020 hit, long before we knew what COVID-19 was, long before the word social distancing became a thing in our modern vernacular, had anyone ever heard the word social distancing put together in their life before 19 months ago? I didn't. When someone said we need to social distance, I had this stupid look on my face. What does that mean? But long before face masks became a thing, before you had to walk a certain way in a grocery store and follow the arrows there, we've been wearing masks long before COVID-19. Steve, what do you mean by that? Let me demonstrate. You're driving to church. You and the spouse are having it out. Backhanding your kids, wondering about the budget. Is the pot roast going to be ready? You're arguing about everything. And you walk in the door and there's a smiling greeter. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Blessed and highly favored. God is good and all the time. God is good. Well, Steve, I, I thought we were supposed to be people of faith. Yes, people of faith, not people of fake. There's a difference. Well, Steve, am I supposed to come up in here and tell everyone my problems? Not necessarily. You don't have to tell everybody, but for God's sakes, tell somebody. Because what happens, believers and non-believers alike, is all you see are walking volcanoes everywhere that you go. Steve, what's a walking volcano? They don't tell anybody because they make excuses like they're busy, they won't understand, they're going to judge me, they're going to turn themselves away from me. And what do you do with your issue? You push it down. And you push it down and you push it down. Have you ever watched a trash compactor before? It takes what's there and that big old thing just keeps pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down so you can try to fit more in there. Have you not noticed about our society that we've become a people to try to fit more in, but the thing that we seem to make less time for is God every single day? We pray for peace, but yet we make no room for peace. We live in a time where we are more connected than ever, but starved for real relationships. You might have 15,000 Instagram followers. You might be TikTok famous. You may have 47 snap streaks going. But my question to you is, when it's down to the nitty gritty, and you're hurting, and you're in a ball of tears in the fetal position, and the walls are caving in, who are you calling? We were designed for community. I didn't come here to preach a political message. It's not my style. None of my social media is about any of that. This pulpit and this house is designed for encouragement and hope in the word of God. You want a political rally? Go turn on your favorite news network because that's not what this is. We're so connected. I could give you statistic upon statistic of how quickly we are connected every single morning that we wake up. As soon as we wake up, before we brush our teeth, before we say hi to the kids, before we let the dog out, I'm not bashing. I do it too. 
We're more connected than ever, but starve for real relationships. Let me tell you something about Christianity. Christianity is not cosmetic surgery to hide what we've been through to try to get people to think that we're perfect. Christianity is not cosmetic surgery to try to hide what we've been through to get people to think that we're perfect. Take my little Fiji bottle, bottle of water here. I grabbed this in the Lubbock airport, and I, I bought two of these, and when he rung me up, I said, did I buy a gold-plated, like, dog or something here? Like, bro, how many bottles of water did you charge me for? Okay? I want you to pretend that this is a jar of clay. For those of you who've been listening to Christian music since the early 90s, there was actually a band called Jars of Clay. And for those of you who are too young, that's not an app. It's a band. They got their start like in a coffee house. They had one good album, and then God knows what happened, okay? Came from 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I want you to pretend that this is a jar of clay. Now, if we're being honest, all of us have fallen. And when you fall from that kind of height, you get breaks in the jar. It happens. Every single time. Every single time we fall, there's another break. But what happens in Christianity is we like to get our faith silly putty and cover up the cracks because when we come to church, we got to let everyone know that we're good Christians. We don't have anything wrong with what's going on with us. But if you'll remember something by a man of Jesus in the gospel said, I am the light of the world. You are now, as I'm leaving the light in the world, let your light so shine before men. You don't go on a hill. You don't cover your light up. You got to let it shine. So rather than think about this, now this is you and you put light inside of there and you covered it up with the putty. How does the light shine through? It doesn't. But if you put the light in here, that light starts shining through the cracks. And that's called a testimony of how you're still living and walking and breathing, not because of you, but because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is how we share our story. You've been around people who act like their stuff doesn't stink. How much time do you want to spend around them? Not a whole lot. People would rather follow someone who's real rather than someone who always pretends to be right. Yeah, people connect with your vulnerability. You can impress people by your strengths, but you connect with them through your weaknesses. Right. You ever seen someone who's just in a bad mood all the time? You might be like, Steve, why are you calling me out like that? We've all got different personality types. You've got people that are, tend to be sour. But you also have people who are hurting on the inside, who've been hurt by people so much that they want to let you in, but they've been burned so bad, so they keep you at arm's distance. I want to I let you love me, but I'm not sure about you. Did you know that people are often the most unlovable when they need love the most? I know that's hard. Because in our own flesh and our own desires, when someone is ugly to us, what's your first reaction? Most of the time, it's not spiritual and godly. It's not. When someone's ugly to you, be like, you want to see ugly? Back up, boo thing. Hold my heels for me real quick. It's on. You want to go tit for tat. 
You want to be ugly? I'll show you ugly. But people are often the most unlovable when they need love the most. It's not easy. But grace is easy to receive, but grace is often hard to live out. When someone's ugly to you, you'd be like, Pastor Derek ain't here. We can go right now if you want to. I'm saved, but I still got a little bit of hood in me. I'll mess you up. But think about the leper and how they had to live in isolation. That was a forced isolation. But oftentimes, we do a self-imposed isolation. Next verse, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, in the Amplified Version says, He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire, and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. Isolation leads to insanity, but healing happens in community. Isolation can lead to insanity because the only voice you are hearing in isolation is an echo. The only voice you hear in isolation is an echo. And I guarantee you, 99.9% of the thoughts that you are thinking about yourself in isolation are not what God thinks about you. You're thinking about your previous mistake. You're thinking about that person that normally says hi to you, but they didn't, and now you've made a mountain out of a molehill. If you've ever taken an Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 3, the achiever. We overthink everything. We create scenarios in our mind. We've already made a movie in our mind about why you didn't talk to us. And you start thinking, what have I done? Do I need to apologize? Do I need to buy him a gift? I'm so sorry. And can I just be honest with all the love in my heart? Because I feel like I'm at home with family. There's times we just got to get over ourselves. Because people are dealing with things that have absolutely nothing to do with you. Sometimes we have to stop being so self-centered and saying, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? If you have a good friendship with them, if you don't hear from them for a couple of days, how about rather than assuming you pick up the phone and say, hey, you doing okay? You doing okay? But no, what do we do? We start drawing assumptions. Oh, well, forget them. I don't need them. And that drives you deeper into isolation. You know what the worst counselor in the world is? Isolation. Isolation is the worst possible counselor. Can I tell you something about loneliness? Before we even heard the word epidemic, loneliness is actually causing a health epidemic. And it's not just tied to depression, anxiety, and suicide, which, by the way, are at an all-time high. In the past two years, over 100,000 people in this country have taken their lives. In the past two years, over 100,000 people have taken their lives. But loneliness is also causing cardiovascular issues, sleep deprivation, and premature deaths all connected to loneliness. Because no matter how annoying people are, we are designed for community. And isolation is unnatural, and it goes against our design. I can prove it to you. 
Go back about 2,000 years ago in a land called Bethlehem. Born in a manger. Went and spent two years in Egypt. Goes back to Israel. We know nothing about him until he's 12 years old, that he's sitting at the, with the rabbis teaching. Then we don't hear another thing about him again for another 18 years. All that the Bible tells us is that he was habitually obedient to his parents. Then at 30, he comes and rocks the world. But I want you to recognize something. This is the living, physical embodiment of the Word of God. The second person of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, living and breathing, eating Chick-fil-A. Maybe not, but I like to believe that he ate Chick-fil-A. Okay? 12-piece nugget. That's why he called the 12 disciples right there. It might not be biblical, but it made sense in my mind because I had 12 pieces of them on the way to Dallas today. <laughs> the Son of God didn't even do life alone. He called 12. And believe it or not, he actually called more. Because if you read the New Testament, when he started talking about, this is my body, take it, drink my blood, the Bible says that many left him on that day. So Jesus himself, the son of God, didn't even do life alone, but yet we think we don't need anybody. I don't need nobody. Mm-hmm. 7.8 billion people on the planet right now. And the overwhelming majority of those people, folks, live in prison. What? The prison of what other people think. And it is that prison of what other people think that keep us in isolation away from the health and the help and the community that we need to be free and to grow. Well, what if people know that I'm struggling? What if people know that money's tight? What if people know that I'm a greeter at my church and I suffer from panic attacks? What if people find out that I see a counselor because me and my husband are on rocky ground? What if people find out that I cry myself to sleep at night because I cannot cope with the loss in my family. Can I be honest with you, family? If you struggle with any of that, welcome to the human race. Maybe you grow up, grew up with some twisted theology like I did that says if you're a Christian, you don't need to talk about your weaknesses. This is what was drilled into me. They said, Steve, if you're a leader, when you stand on that stage, you stand strong and steadfast and confident because people need someone to follow. So I said, okay. But what I was never taught was how to deal with my own insecurities and struggles and issues. So what did I do? I shoved it down. I shoved it down. I put the smile on my face. I went to youth. I raised my hands in worship. And then the rubber met the road. 2016, up to that point in my life, was my best professional year that I'd ever had in my life. In 2016, two months prior than that, I had earned my MBA my master's in business administration while working full-time 
carried a 4.0 average. I don't know how in the world. Managed that. I was offered my own podcast and radio show. I was featured on a cover of a magazine called Permian Basin Oil and Gas. And Pastor Derek, they did a four-page spread on me. A guy who looks like this in an oil and gas magazine. I've never owned a pair of boots and I don't have a belt buckle. I don't drive a white truck. <laughs> I drive a midnight black Toyota Camry. I shop at Banana Republic. Starbucks ice cream tea lemonade is my favorite drink in the world. I've had this much coffee my entire life. I've never watched a NASCAR race. What am I doing on an oil and gas magazine? I was named most outstanding young man in my city. Thing after thing after thing. I was riding high. And then in 2017, the bottom fell out. And for 18 months, I battled the worst depression I have ever known in my life. I couldn't get out of bed. When I was in bed, cried. I'd be at the gas station pumping gas, break down. I'd be sitting at Starbucks having a, my favorite drink, ice cream, tea, lemonade, sweeten, God's drink. Okay, sitting there, start crying, not because the anything was wrong with the drink, but because so much was going on on the inside. But thankfully, I was in a church and in a place with leadership that loved me back to life. They didn't make me feel bad about it. But I went on injured reserve. Do you know what injured reserves in sports terminology is? That doesn't mean you're off the team. It means you step down to go get some healing so you can come back and contribute to the team. And far too often, we got hurt people in leadership positions. And let me tell you something about hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. There is no shame in taking a step back and saying, I'm not okay. I believe I will be, but I'm not okay right now. And I want to do what's right by the people, so I'm going to step back. I took a step away from preaching and teaching and traveling, and for the first time, I started seeing a counselor. And for the first three months, Alex, I lied my butt off to that guy. And I didn't lie by telling him a lie. I lied by omitting. I made it about everything else except what was really going on in here and in here. And after three months, Jennifer, I started opening up. And after that third month, he stuck his hand out to me in a session. He said, hi, Steve. It's nice to finally meet you. He knew. But he was going to let me work through it. And in that time, I no longer felt worthy to do this. The enemy was destroying my mind. I was believing the lies. And my friends would tell me, Steve, God's going to use you again. I'm like, I don't know how. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've said. You have no idea what's going on in here. It got so bad that I went to my boss and I sat down. I'll never forget it. It was the day after Labor Day, 2017. And I sat down in his office with tears in my eyes and I closed the door. I said, I need you to do something for me. He said, what's that? I said, please fire me. He said, why? I said, I can't get it together. And you deserve someone in this seat who can produce, and I can't do it. I'm so grateful. He's a godly man. He looked at me. He said, Steve, I'm not going to fire you. He said, I know you're struggling. He said, you're here, but you're not here. 
And then he said something that made all the difference. He said, I'm with you. Not I'm for you, because anyone can be like, I'm for you. There is a big difference between for somebody and being with somebody. You can be for somebody with an Instagram like. But when you're with somebody, it's when you're with them at 2 a.m. when they're having a panic attack. I had people love me back to life. I had given up on it. And after a year and a half, I got an invite to come and speak at a baccalaureate service. It was a city 70 miles west of where I live. They said, Steve, our students in this city have never had a baccalaureate service in 100 years. I said, y'all a godless city. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't tell them that. And she said, our senior class wants to make history. And we've been looking for speakers. And your name keeps coming up. Mind you, I've been off the circuit for a year and a half. And she said, will you come? I said, I don't know what date it is, but I'll be there. Whatever I have to clear, I'll do it. And in my office, I dropped to my knees like a baby in the fetal position and wept. Why? Because Romans 11.29 came to pass that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable and without reproach. That I made a commitment to God that if he opened this door again, that I would do it differently than I had ever done it before. It would be open. It would be raw. It would be transparent. And it would be vulnerable and give him the glory for it. Since that time, including COVID, there's a point to this. I'm not just telling you this to brag. I'm giving you context and a foundation. Since that time, in the past three years, years. I've spoken over a hundred times in 15 different cities to 25 different industries and have stood in front of 25,000 people. Why? Because I'm amazing? No. Because I did what the leper did. He knelt before Jesus. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is not a motivational speech because motivational speakers say that you get yourself out of the pit by positive affirmations and you get yourself up by the bootstraps. Let me tell you something. If you're in a pit right now, my friend, you don't have the strength to get yourself out. There is one man and one man alone who helps get you out of the pit and his name is Jesus Christ. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is standing on the truth of the word of God that even though I don't feel you right now, God, I'm going to choose to believe that you've never left me. Ecclesiastes, and we're close to being done. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. We're going to the Old Testament. New Living Translation says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The power of community. The power of community. Any of you guys ever seen The Grinch in here? Yes. I love The Grinch. Believe it or not, two years ago at New Year's Eve, I preached an entire message based off The Grinch movie. I really did. Showed clips. But there's something about The Grinch that's so important when it comes to isolation. If you've never paid attention to The Grinch, 
He lived in isolation. Do you know how long he lived in isolation? Do you remember? 53 years. He ha- what season did he hate the most? Hated it. He'd, he'd see everyone having fun, and here was him at the top of the mountain. Just watching, growing in anger. And there's a reason why I bring up how long he had been struggling with his bitterness and his issue of 53 years. You know what that tells me? Let's dispel a myth. Time does not heal all wounds. Stop posting that on Pinterest because it's not true. Time is a factor in the healing process. But a clock or the changing of a calendar cannot do for you what a willful choice and the help of the Holy Spirit can do for you. You know how I know that? Because you got parents and grandparents who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are more angry and bitter than they've ever been before. Did time heal their wounds? It didn't. It hardened them even more. The Grinch lived in isolation, and every single year, he grew more angry and more angry and more angry. And if you remember, he had one friend in the world. Who was it? The little dog, Max. And sometimes he'd even take it out on Max. Doesn't that sound like what we do? You always hurt the ones closest to you. And sometimes... Many are actually afraid to heal because their entire identity is centered around the trauma they've experienced. Think about our opening scripture. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. Did you notice something? He didn't even get a name. You even know your server's name when you go to a restaurant. But Mark... Matthew has this account. Luke has this account. He has no name. He's known by his issue, not by his name. He has been identified by his issue, not a name. He has identified himself by his issue, not a name. And my question is, have you identified yourself with an issue I'm the divorced one. I'm the adulterer. I'm the embezzler. I'm the cheater. I'm the perv. I'm the insecure one. I could go on and on, but I don't have to name the list because the list is already going through your mind. But my Bible says that there's a name that is above every name. That a child of God identifies and associates with that name, not the name of their sin. Faith, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and get up on the keyboard and play. Make me sound extra spiritual so I can land this plane. (laughs) What I want to challenge you with tonight, whether you're actually wearing a physical mask or a spiritual mask, how many of you have ever heard this statement or made this statement? Well, Steve, times are tough, so I'm just going to fake it till I make it. I'm just going to fake it till I make it. Next statement up there for me, if you would. 
That mentality of fake it until you make it only works until the faking it breaks you. We can only hold the facade up for so long. Eventually, everyone breaks. And let me tell you when the enemy would love to see you break at your most optimal point where it can impact the most people. He would love that, to try to discredit the word of God, to try to discredit the faith that you hold on to. I'm so thankful for online church, especially during the pandemic. There were some people who had very strong opinions about a church should keep their doors open, and others said, no, we're going to stay at home and go virtual. But let me give you some perspective. During the time that we were all quarantined and no one knew what was going on, do you realize that more people heard the gospel during that time, sitting at home in their PJs, than would ever come and sit in a physical church? Jesus said, go into all the world in Matthew, in Matthew 28, but he never said how. Technology can be our friend. Technology and social media is sentient. It's neutral. It's like money. They can't act on its own. People always say, Steve, money's the root of all evil. I'm like, read your Bible. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Try paying your bills on a faith statement and write that on a napkin. Here you go, buddy. You're going to be sitting in the dark with a candle is what's going to happen. But this is why sometimes people aren't in the building with the community that they need, Derek. Because they've given up on church. Because they've been hurt by people in the church. And they equate Christianity with the creator. But you can't hold God liable for the actions of one of his children. God is rich in mercy. He is the heavenly father. He's the maker of all things. But oftentimes when people think of church, they think of perfect people who will never hurt them. And if you replay this message or someone's listening right now, let me tell you something right now. I'm going to let you in on an insider secret when it comes to being in church. I'm going to pull back the veil. You ready for this? If you want to hook up with the local church, there's something you have to understand and accept. We're all screwed up. We're all messed up. We're all an imperfect people being loved by a lovable God. So if you think, <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world to say, Jennifer, is when people say, I ain't going to that church. Ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites up in that church. You know what my favorite thing to say? I agree. We got room for one more. Because we've all said things we said we'd never say. We've all done things we swore we'd never do. We've all been places we swore we'd never be. We all fall short. This house is not a country club with membership only. This is open to anyone who needs help and who is hurting. Yeah, but I got to get right before I come to God. That's almost as silly as saying, I got to get well before I go to the doctor. Right. 
Because the great physician is the one who heals your insides like that physical doctor helps get your outsides ready. You go to the doctor, snot coming everywhere, coughing up a lung, allergies everywhere. You got stuff growing out of places you didn't even know stuff could grow out of. And you say, will you help me? Church, we got to do a better job of talking about mental health in the church. We got to do a better job of talking about depression, anxiety, and worry. Let me tell you something. All answers begin and end with Jesus. But in the middle, there are doctors, there are therapists, there are counselors, there are echo groups, there are recovery groups, there are pastors and friends to help get you the help that you need so that you can continue living your purpose. Please stop suffering in silence. Stop suffering in silence because you think that you're a Christian and you're not supposed to be. Can I tell you something? Caleb's not going to set you free. All the young people are like, what's Caleb? For those of us older ones, this was the Christian radio station that we used to listen to all the time. It's been replaced by Sirius XM 63, The Message. And thank God for it. But podcasts and books... Motivational speakers cannot do for you what a godly community can do for you. If you are struggling, have you ever noticed, Pastor Derek, when someone is struggling physically, they'll say, Pastor, will you pray for me? But when we're struggling mentally, and this is going a million miles an hour. Jesus did not die for us to cope. Jesus died for us to overcome. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. This is when we are made whole. Transparency is allowing someone to see what's going on inside of you. Vulnerability is allowing someone to see what's going inside and speaking into your life. I'm not talking about social media vulnerability. Most of the time, that's looking for validation. I'm talking about real vulnerability with someone who has earned the right to hear your heart and say this, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And you might say, Steve, I'm not a licensed counselor. You don't have to be. Can I tell you something? You got two ears and one mouth by design. We were designed to listen twice as much as we talk. That's good. And have you ever noticed something? These never close, but this can. Two to one. Two ears. One mouth. Sometimes all that it takes for someone to get some help is someone who cares. Final story I'm going to tell you. We were about seven months into the pandemic. And I was in the grocery store. Had my mask on. Trying to be mindful of the right arrows. So that the grocery police didn't come knock my cart over. What arrow am I supposed to be going? Okay. No, I'm going the wrong way. Okay, I'm going to go this way. No, no, no. Okay, I'm going this way now. It sounds funny, but it's crazy what we live through. You couldn't make this stuff up what we live through. So there I am. Pastor Derek, and I'm, I'm in the grocery store, and I'll be honest with you guys, 
You got to pray for me. I'm horrible with names. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm horrible with names. Faces, I do better. Names, oh, not good. And I'm going along. And mind you, we all have half our faces covered. And I see a gentleman that I recognized. I said, bro, how you doing, man? You doing good? How are you? What's going on? And I pull my little cart to the side full of organic, healthy food that may have had M&Ms. Um, <laughs> it's comfort food, man. No one knew what was going on in the world. I said, how you doing? And he looked at me. In fact, this is what he said. He goes, Steve, I am fantastic. I am doing wonderful. I pull my cart to the side. I put my little hand on my hip. I said, bro, share the wealth. I said, what are you doing? And I was completely serious. I wasn't being sarcastic. What are you doing to be wonderful and fantastic? I said, I want to know. I said, I'm not. I said, if you want Venmo, if you want me to pay you, what's your Venmo? I'll pay you right now. You want Apple Cash, Apple Pay? I'll do that. And he looked at me and his eyes welled up with tears over the mask. And he said, I'm not okay. I'm not wonderful. And I'm not fantastic. He said, my wife and I argue every day. He said, I'm not sure we're going to make it. He said, I don't think I'm going to have a job by the end of next week. And my kids are failing in school. They can't do this online thing. And for the next 20 minutes, we sat, we stood there in the frozen food section. And I let him pour his heart out. And at the end of that, I said, I'm going to ask you, I said, I want to ask you one more question. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not okay. I said, doesn't that feel better? He said, it really does. He said, but Steve, the thing is, not just anyone will stop to ask and to care. So my challenge to you tonight is to stop, to ask, to listen, and to care. And I can hear what you're thinking right now. No one does that for me. No one asks how I'm doing. I happen to believe that the Bible says you reap what you sow. I need someone to care about me. Start by caring for someone else. And in due time, you will reap that harvest. My take-home point, guys in the back, you'll probably have to skip around a bit. The danger of isolation is much greater than the risk of vulnerability. The danger of isolation is much greater than the risk of vulnerability. Steve, what if I open up and they don't get me? There's 7.8 billion people on the planet. Don't stop with one. By a show of hands in here, as we close out, anyone in here ever been to a restaurant and had bad service? Would you raise your hand? I'm from Hobbs, New Mexico. I could have both hands, two feet, and my butt in the air, okay? <laughs> anyone ever gone to a movie theater and it was less than clean? Anyone ever been there? Can I ask you something? You had bad service at a restaurant. Have you stopped going out to eat? No. You had bad experience at the movies. Have you stopped going to movies? 
You might be like, well, when they were shut down, nobody could go. But now that they're reopened, don't give up on church because you had a bad experience sometime. Don't give up on Jesus because one of his kids treated you less than stellar. Well, I've been a Christian, but it ain't done much for me. There's a pastor that I follow. He said this. He said, hey, if you're new to Jesus, why don't you give Jesus as long as you gave the club? You, you were out there clubbing and doing all your stuff for six years. Why don't you give Jesus at least six years? Because this faith is not microwave. It takes time. And we got to work it out. It's not always in our successes, family. But often in our struggles. That God will show you who he is. And he'll show you who you are. The valley will build more faith than the mountaintop ever will. And you might be thinking, and this is where I close. Steve, you don't know what I've done. You don't know me. Bad decisions are not without consequence. But within the frame of grace, they are never beyond redemption. Never beyond redemption. Bad decisions are not without consequence. But then within the frame of grace, they're never beyond redemption. Here's his amazing love. He knows the worst about us, but believes the best about us. That wakes me up every day. That his mercies are new every morning. Can I tell you something? I don't have good days every day. I'd be lying to you if I told you I had good days every day. The other day I was walking through Hobby Lobby and it said good vibes only. I wanted to break that sign. You know why? It's not realistic. Even in a walk of faith, good vibes all day, every day, it's not realistic. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this life, you will have trials. You will have troubles. You will have tribulation. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time, God. I thank you for every person in attendance, Lord. I pray by your precious Holy Spirit that there is a nugget of truth that every single person in here can walk away with. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask this really quick. Perhaps you came in here at the invitation of someone, or maybe you wandered in, and you have never, ever made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I can promise you this. It's the best decision you'll ever make, but I'm not going to lie to you and say that it comes easily or without struggle. But what I can promise you is you'll never have to face those struggles alone ever again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you want that opportunity on the count of three, just right where you're sitting, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Praise God. Second thing, you're in here and you said, Steve, this struck me right in my gut, right in my heart, right in my soul. I've been suffering in silence. I have been isolated and battling things that I have never shared with anybody because of shame. And I believe that God brought me here tonight to get some freedom, to get on the path.
to freedom. If that applies to you in any way, shape, or form, and you'd say, Steve, would you pray with me for courage and strength to step up and step out to be seen as I am? On the count of three, I want you to lift your hands and I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Hands all over this place. For those that have your hands lifted and for those that maybe you should, I want you to say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, everyone in agreement, let's say it all together. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive your word tonight and I know that Jesus did not die for me to cope, but for me to conquer in this life. I'm asking you, by your precious Holy Spirit, give me the strength and the courage to step up and step out, to be seen as I really am, because I know that you love me no matter what, and that will never change. I thank you for community and that I will be connected with the right people at the right time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.